Welcome to Challenges and Icons, where today I'm coming from the Barclays Accelerator, which is powered by Techstars here in East London. And I'm talking to John Bradfield, who is the Managing Director of Techstars London. Well, founded in 2006, Techstars is the number one startup accelerator in the world, providing seed funding and an intensive mentorship-driven program for the tech startup community. Not only that, it gives access to an amazing network of alumni and mentors to help build these companies. Textiles has hubs in nine major cities with the Textile London Accelerator established in 2013 and is the first hub outside of the US. The team continues to add new initiatives to support its core business with new launches such as Textiles Ventures 2014, a Series A fund investing in companies emerging from the Textiles ecosystem. And if he wasn't busy enough, John has also produced a successful book called Do More Faster Textiles Lessons to Accelerate Your Startup. So it's with great pleasure that I welcome John Bradford to Challenges and Icons. Welcome John to Challenges and Icons. And thank you for coming along. Uh, I know you're here in the space here in Barclays. Uh, I hope you're, we're going to have fun talking. Well, I, I certainly do because um, what you're involved in is a, uh, is a fascinating area in this world of uh, fast-paced tech change and I wondered mm -hmm. if you could perhaps uh, start by um, summing up what Techstars is and why it's been such a success in such a short space of time. Well actually it's one of those uh, long overnight successes so um, Techstars actually started in Boulder Colorado. Uh, for those that don't know Boulder is about 100,000 people uh -huh. in flip-flops in the middle of the Colorado I've desert. I've heard all about it. Um, and essentially, they started just over seven, seven and a bit years ago. Um, and essentially what it was, it was a recognition that uh, investment was changing, that um, historically angel investors wrote checks, they gave a little bit of advice to support uh, the teams that they invested in. But Techstars recognized that actually the, the advice was becoming increasingly more important. As the cost of doing a startup was decreasing, Actually, the advice that you were provided, the introductions and the networks that you could get introductions to, actually became inherently more valuable. And actually, that's a long-term trend, not just in digital businesses, but in lots and lots of different businesses. And so we started in Boulder. We quietly did our thing, did it really well for two or three years, and then expanded into Boston and uh, Seattle, and then subsequently into New York. Um, and um, uh, I joined uh, just over two years ago uh, to become the very first international program. And in that intervening period, when I joined, there was about five or six programs. There are now 18 programs. Oh. And of those 18 programs, four of them actually exist outside of the US, having had none just over two years ago. Wow. So um, I would, if, if I was talking in tech terms, I'd say we probably hit product market fit. Um, having been quietly good at what we did in the past and suddenly recognizing where the value was, um, we've kind of pushed on. Now, I get told off for this internally, but I would probably suggest if you move forward a couple of years, the speed at which we're growing, um, it wouldn't be a surprise to see 
possibly twice as many programs again, oh. of which almost half of them I personally think could be overseas. Um, so I think we are on a long-term trajectory, which is uh, entrepreneurship uh, is not um, a monopoly to the valley. Oh. Uh, it's a global phenomena that's happening everywhere. Oh. And I think it's a long-term change in the market itself. Um, I'm, I'm on record of thanking the, uh, the bankers in the financial services industry of blowing up the system in 2007 because I personally don't think we would be here today if, we, if that hadn't happened before. So I think this, this growth phase has existed and does exist because of the need to go back to basics and actually start to think about building businesses that actually generate and create real value and wealth. Right. So, so really, um, it's a, this, this new way of, um, of, of helping companies through um, ex being an accelerator, yep. as opposed to, say, VC money, mm -hmm. um, is, is on a path for exponential growth. That's what you're suggesting, and that's, yep. what, and that's what we're certainly seeing at the moment. So what would you say are the, are the values and challenges that, that, that sit around running a successful accelerator program? So um, I think there's two things we tend to be obsessed about. One is um, quality. Um, we've, we've always erred on the side of um, remaining small. We never have more than 10 or 11 teams in any given program. Oh. Um, and we are highly bespoke and, and completely obsessive about delivering real value for the startups which go through our programs oh. themselves. The other thing that we strongly believe is the core platform on which Techstars exists is uh, the mantra which is give first. Our expectation is that um, our mentors come along for free and support the teams. We have investors who give freely of their time. They also invest into the program itself to make the program itself for, uh, happen. And essentially the, the notion that you actually by helping others you end up ultimately helping yourself but there may not be a direct relationship between the here and now and that happening. Oh. So we, we have built entirely a culture of don't ask, just help. Oh. Um, and we, long, we think that in the medium and long term that actually actually sort of hugely beneficial and, oh. and it's look good, good business practice. Yeah, I mean, it, it's exactly, it, it, it seems uh, very social at its very sort of DNA mm -hmm. and, and the quality is there. I mean, your selection criteria is apparently legendary in terms of sort of the the rigor that you that you put against selecting uh tech companies into mm. the um into the in, into the program uh, yeah i yeah. mean on that we we actually are very very founder focused so we actually i have uh, my base criteria for selecting is this five essentially it's uh team 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 opportunity and team <laughs> um and essentially it's such an early stage we are so in inherently reliant on the individuals and the participants and the team that mm. comes together mm. to make it happen that actually that's all we spend our time really thinking our way through. Great. Mm. Mm. Right. Well, um, it's, uh, you know, it, and, and no wonder you have such a kind of a, uh, you know, a, a wealth of companies that will startups that want to come and you know, mm -hmm. try, try and be part of the program. Yeah. So um, do you, is it all about attraction to you or do you employ marketing strategy or creative tools to build awareness around what you're doing or is it really word of mouth that is making it such a success at the moment? So I think uh, it, it really comes down to the latter part. So the thing that 
I talk about is one of my primary internal targets is something called a net promoter score, which we completely obsess around. And the, what we do is actually at the end of the program, four weeks post that, we survey all of the founders that have been through the program and ask them one question, which is, would you recommend participation in Techstars? Um, for those that don't know, a net promoter score essentially is a weighting process whereby you score from zero to 10. Uh -huh. If it's a, a nine or a 10, it's a positive score. If it's a seven or eight, it's a neutral score. And if it's six or below, it's negative. So you're setting the bar high. So we set the bar high. Um, this, on average, across all of our programs, we're achieving something around 80%. Uh -huh. If a team or a founder scores six or less, my boss in, in Boulder actually phones the founder personally to ask them about their experience. Uh -huh. Um, so we become obsessive about the quality and the service that we deliver to the founders and every single founder that goes through the program. Mm. So it's not the rock stars that end up going off and making lots and lots of money. We, we select 10 teams and we're there to help 10 teams in their entirety. Mm. And it's those guys that when questions are asked of like, should I go and do this program? They become ultimately our advocates. Mm. of is Techstars a great program. Mm. So to give you some context, Techstars itself, while it has 18 programs running, and we've probably got about 75 staff at the minute, over the last uh, seven years, we have now supported in excess of 600 teams, of which wow. we've got 2,000 entrepreneurs. Mm. And so the 2,000 entrepreneurs are actually our voices in the market and in the network. Mm. And it's those guys that we actually want. So a lesson that I learned quite early was good PR was when other people talked about you. Yeah. And so we strongly believe that actually it's the advocates, it's the participants in the program yeah. are the, the voices to which we actually support yeah. and recognize going forward. Yeah, well, you're, you know, it's, it's very clear that once you start getting into the tech community, just how you know, clear your, your reputation is in mm -hmm. that market for for fostering you know, great uh, entrepreneurial talent. And, and moving on to that, um, part of you know, the, the people that I've interviewed in this program, they've, um, they've come from a, some of them have come from a sort of a classic entrepreneurial <laughs> go it alone kind mm -hmm. of uh, mentality and they built very successful businesses. But really what you represent is a much more um, collaborative approach yep. to building success. Do you really feel that that is going to be the de facto business model of the future? Yeah, I think, I think there's two things which have happened there. A lot of the mentors that we have are the people you've described. Mm. And every man or woman to a person will come back and say, I wish I had had this when I was mm. starting my business. Mm. Because actually being an entrepreneur is actually a really lonely existence. Mm. And the example I give is we're in the space here uh, where we work from. And actually what we do is we make entrepreneurship the most normal and common thing in the world. Mm. And people stare out the window and go, look at those strange people, they work for other people. Mm. And so you actually want to try and turn the whole thing slightly upside down. Mm. So I, I genuinely think there is a, there is a change happening uh, in the wider sense, which is people are becoming much more accustomed to actually thinking about starting their own businesses as opposed to the I'll leave university and go and join a corporate. Mm. So I think those are the things that kind of spend, we spend our life focusing and fixating around. Yeah, well, it's clearly a market for it. Yeah. So um, the ability to um, adapt and change and seek out the, the right sort of financial 
and mentor or advice. Mm -hmm. um, is this what makes us a, a great entrepreneur? Um, oh, I think there's, there's many different common traits. I think I, I've heard people talk about persistence as mm. being a key entrepreneurial trait. Mm. Actually, when you look at the data, uh, it basically splits in half and it basically says 50% of persistent people actually go on to be successful mm. and 50% of people who are persistent go on to be failures. Mm. So you can actually argue it either which way. Mm. I, I actually think actually persistence is actually one of those key elements. But I think being flexible in, in your thinking is really important. Mm. Um, I think being optimistic is also important. I mean, if, if there was a kind of a list that basically said if you do all of the following things, you will be an incredibly successful entrepreneur. I think that's not entirely true. I, I think if there was one common element is one's ability to attract smart people to come and work with you, I think is probably one of the key elements mm. because no single entrepreneur in their own rights is ever going to turn into a multinational business. Mm. It's, it's all about teamwork and it's all about building teams around you. Mm. And I see that like leadership. I see there's many different forms of leadership mm. that ultimately can be successful. Mm. So I think in the same way, it's hard to argue there's a single, here's a baseline traits of an entrepreneur. Mm. Everyone has their own way. Yeah, but uh, I would agree with the point about persistence. I think you know having a sort of a, having a, a vision and sticking to it is, yeah. um, whether you're in the sort of the tech world or a product world or a, another area, Persistence is, is usually one of the kind of those key, yeah. key, key, key ingredients. I think that, it's, uh, it's interesting because this is a topic which is coming up a lot in discussions in my space, which is because we're in what I call an upcycle, and and it's very buoyant, and there's lots of startups and there's lots of money around. What I've seen, and it was interesting because I was uh, having a discussion with my boss about this over the weekend, was actually entrepreneurs skipping between startups mm. almost like shiny balls on a on a Christmas tree which is <laughs> it's like oh, there's a bigger glittery one over there yeah, let's go over there and, and actually that, that kind of determination and persistence is actually harder to find in the market at the minute when there's so many glittery things around you at the mm. minute and and actually being able to attracts talent and retain talent mm. in an environment like this actually helps to define you as an entrepreneur as well. Great. Okay. So in our research, we, uh, we were, you know, around tech stars. Uh, an interesting uh, fact that we just would interested to get your uh, view on whether it's true or not was whether or not it's true that um, tech stars came to London by way of lobbying from the UK government. And, uh, and Tech City to come here. Is that, uh, is that true? Absolutely. The, the irony is there's a kind of a, it's not a yes and it's not a no. So was there direct lobbying from the government for Techstars to come here? No. Um, did Techstars come to London because of the things that the government were doing? Absolutely. Mm. Um, I think what's, I think it's really interesting about the current government policy when it comes to startups is actually their lack of money. So historically governments have always tried to work with startups and write checks or do something to subsidize. We'll hire, there used to be a thing called uh, Business Link, mm. oh, yeah. which, was, which was well known and not very highly regarded. Um, 
whereby you could pay an advisor who had no experience in the topic area you wanted to come and do it. Um, what's interesting is government over the last five years has actually structurally made changes through policy decisions, which I think it's done very well. And part of that is it's listened to many of the members of the community, but it's through the policy change mm. that a lot of the things that have happened have happened, mm. not necessarily by writing checks and big checks all over the place. Okay. So it's, in a way, you saw the market, the government was, was being part of facilitating change, yeah. And, and, and here we have this kind of fantastic sort of success story where we're sort of literally breeding um, you I, know, I could I could add to that. I mean, the reality is Techstars up to that point was a US-centric business. Mm. It recognized that it needs to no longer be a US-centric business. It recognized that entrepreneurs came from many different places around sure. the world. Yeah. And actually, of all of the places it could have gone, it felt that London was the most natural hub and location outside of the US for entrepreneurial growth. Okay. So that, that came about from the environment and many other different factors and government were part of that. Okay, so a mix of things all coming together at the same time Correct. to fuel growth. Yeah, welcome to the stand of London. Yeah, <laughs> somebody's in trouble. It is tech city nonetheless. Bring in, bring in textiles. Just to prove we're not sitting in some expensive hotel <laughs> Indeed. In, in the west end of London. Yeah, well it's a, very, it's a, clearly a, a, you know, a very uh, energetic environment we've got here. So yeah. um, now let's talk about the future of innovation and changing yeah. business. Um, how do you see future tech innovation shaping your own business growth and development? So I, I described the geographical change in tech stars over the last couple of years. So mm. I described there were five or six programs there now 18, mm. of which four are um, outside of the US and there are, there are more to come. What's also interesting underneath all of that is of those 18 programs, nine are programs we run jointly with corporates. Oh. And actually there's been, and historically has been very dismissive of corporates can't do innovation, they don't understand it, they're not interested. They have historically, when they try to work with early stage businesses, squashed them. I describe sometimes out of love than anything else, but they can't help themselves. They're like this huge organization of like Barclays, by way of example, is 150,000 people. Mm. Um, Techstars is 75. Mm. They struggle to work with small businesses. Mm. And so what we've recognized in our initial program, we work with Microsoft and then Nike and then RGA. Um, and through that process, we suddenly recognize that corporates have something to bring to the party, okay. which is they have deep industry knowledge mm. of how markets work mm. and the customers and all of the things associated therewith. And so actually being able to blend those two things, I think are incredibly valuable. Okay. So bringing the spark of innovation and novelty, which uh, young entrepreneurs and young, I mean at heart rather than by age, and actually combining that with the will and the network and the support structures that a large corporate can bring actually can create really interesting dynamics. Mm. And I think we would take, coming to your question, we would say looking forward over the next couple of years, I think we will continue to run our programs such as Techstars Berlin and London, which are very broadly focused. 
but I believe that actually there are more opportunities globally oh. in very specific sectors with the right partners oh. in many, many different locations, whether you call that ag tech, whether you call that space travel, whether you call that fintech. The, the internet has profoundly changed yeah. many different industries in many different ways. And so being able to get to all of those is really hard, mm. but finding the right corporate partners is a very good way of starting that yeah. journey. Sure. That's interesting because uh, you know, in the past I've, I've talked about the great sort of corporate, the corporate innovation swindle, yeah. and where you know, thousands, sometimes millions get spent on innovation mm. and nothing ever gets to market. Huh. You know. But in you, what you're saying is, is that actually find the right corporate yeah. partners, the mm -hmm. right people again, quality yeah. of people, uh, combined with uh, you know the, the Techstar Accelerator or Accelerator community can actually produce fantastic results yeah. in the future. And, I, and I, why not? That's great. Correct. I think I was having a conversation with someone this morning. I think one of the interesting things is in the world that I exist in uh, around investment is we go through cycles. Mm. There are up cycles, there are down cycles. But typically over a seven-year period, it's generally upwards. Mm. I actually fundamentally believe that corporate innovation is going through a structural change. Yeah. Um, and, and part of what we do and we work with corporates is one of the pieces that will help make that happen. It's not the only piece, but how corporates look to change and the way they seek to innovate themselves is being questioned at all levels through organizations. Yeah. And I think that is a long-term theme and trend, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, me, me too. I, I, I'm very optimistic about uh, you know, growth of the future. And you, in, in a number of times during this interview, you've talked about um, the upcycling that's going yep. on and, and exponential growth. And of course, that is, you know, that can always be a kind of concern to people who think, well, there's no such thing as exponential growth yep. these days. But uh, you're clearly in a very positive sort of mindset. So this idea of um, speed of innovation, yep. um, and mentorship, and um, working in a fast in a way, can that also mean failure? And if so, in a positive sense? So I think you can look at it in one of two ways. Historically, what happened was corporates would come to third parties to help them support some innovation. Typically, it required a rather large check. And typically, at the end of it, on the balance of probability, it may work, but more often than not, it may not. Mm. And at which point the corporate would get very frustrated and annoyed because it felt that the magnitude of the check justified potential success at the other end. The way startups work and the where I world, the world that I exist in is maybe there's easier ways to start to prove some of the theories or the voices in your head by writing smaller checks and to write broader number of checks. So in much the same way that historically I used to be a VC, I used to write checks of about uh, 150,000 pounds. And my thesis was, which was what Techstars was talking about, was why don't I write 10 checks for 15 and test over a short period of time which ones may actually, there may be something there or there may not be something there. A proportion will work and a proportion won't. Now, because the amounts you're spending are relatively small at that point in time, nobody gets upset mm. to the same degree. And actually, one can look at when things don't work out as a learning experience. 
and to say actually we now know more about that market and why what we tried didn't work mm. so if we had to do that again what would we do different yeah but i think part of it is a combination of you're right cultural change which is guess what sometimes things don't work mm -hmm. get over it but learning from it but the secondary part is maybe you don't need to spend as much maybe projects don't need to be three years mm. maybe there are things that can be done in shorter time bursts yeah. And all you're trying to do is not try to get to the end product, but prove something which gives you enough data to make a decision about, do you want to go on and invest? Yeah. I think this personally actually sets real challenges mm. actually to consulting businesses mm. and people who have historically worked with corporate innovation mm. because they actually historically have gone, I need to be satisfied that there's enough money to keep me busy and occupied for 12 or 36 months mm. to build this big grandiose project. Mm. The idea of them going to clients now and saying, well, let's do something for 90 days and then at the end of 90 days, we'll figure out what we do for the next 90 days. That's, I think, similarly again, a structural change which I personally believe is going to happen in corporate innovation and it's the, innovate, the people bringing the innovation and yeah. the consultants. Yeah. Well, that's uh, you know very you know very inspiring, and um, and, I, and certainly we're seeing that all over the place. And uh, so let's just you know conclude now, just sort yeah. of looking you know staying with the future. Yeah. Um, in this world of upcycling and sort of positive growth that you're describing, are there any challenges that you see um, you know you, you're facing that you are kind of uh, you know that are potential obstacles or challenges that you might want to take on and, uh, and turn into a, into a success? Yeah, I think our single limiting constraint is we would like to be more places faster. <laughs> okay. um, we, and, and the constraint exists as a self-constraint because of this need to ensure that we deliver quality to all of the participants that participate. Mm. We strongly believe that more opportunities exist in more geographic locations, in more industries. And we touched earlier on off camera about IoT. Mm. Everything that we have done and the, what we do today, we consume the internet behind a screen. So everything we've done is a laptop, is a desktop, is a mobile phone, it's behind a piece of glass. Mm. And, and think of the impact that has had in a relatively low number of geographies behind a piece of glass. When you think about what I describe in front of glass, mm -hmm. which is what IoT is, yeah. when the internet touches all the different parts of your life, yeah. I think the number of opportunities suddenly spring up in a whole different yeah. sets of ways. So when you think about it in three or four dimensions and all of them are extrapolating in different ways, I think it just says to you that there are more opportunities for more people in so many different locations. Yeah. And hence, that's why we feel that that's where our constraint exists. Yeah, and uh, make the world a better place in the meantime. Oh, all of it is, and actually we get to reinvent what the new world looks like on, yeah. along the way. Well, I would say that is a, a great way to uh, <laughs> end the interview with a, on a very positive note like that. And um, just wish you continued success and uh, look forward to seeing you and Techstars move into all these different geographies and uh, continue to foster the entrepreneurial and challenger spirit. Thank you very much, John Bradford, for joining us today. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure. Cheers. Okay.
Thank you.